you, Pastor Norm. It's, you know, when I pulled up this morning, um, you know, we were looking for Mount Hope Church, so I hope we're at the right church. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, um, so thank you for having us today. Um, it is such a wonderful and a privilege to be, quote-unquote, up north. Um, so if you know where Bad Axe is, give a shout-out. All right. So now you know our hometown, so we come from a huge population of 3,500 people, as you know, that's a big number for Bad X. Uh, but April and I have been married now for 23 years. God is good. Yeah, God is good. I don't know. Yeah, God is good. I'll just say that. Um, but this morning, I'm going to change it up just a little bit because as I was praying over here with some of the kids over here a little bit, I'm just going to take like a moment of time because I want to read this to you because sometimes the Lord speaks and sometimes there's spoken words and sometimes there's things that the Spirit just puts in your heart to say. How to the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. And let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Now, thinking about Moldova, and I'm thinking about all that, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at this wonderful family that we have. We have two daughters. Um, we have two daughters who are in a transition stage of their life. The one has just graduated college. She's looking for a job to become a high school English teacher. Our youngest daughter, um, go blue. But anyway... Um, <laughs> She will be starting the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, here this coming fall, um, environmental science and possibly engineering. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we're at, but we're also in a transition state of life. And I, and I like this verse so much because part of our story is the Lord heard our cry. He put something in our heart and he heard our cry, and we'll tell you a little bit about how we even got here to this point a little bit. Um, but that's us. We're missionaries to the country of Moldova, and probably our cue will be next slide, please. Um, but then you'll see a little bit about where exactly is Moldova. So where is Moldova? Here we go. We're all going a geography lesson today because, to be honest with you, until 2015, Jeff and I didn't know Moldova existed. So we're all together, all right? Moldova is a very small country sandwiched between Romania and the Ukraine. So if you have an idea where they're at, they're over in Eastern Europe, right there next to the Soviet Union. All right. Um, Moldova, you can see on the map, is actually smaller than the Lower Peninsula. So we do a lot of traveling as we go around and share. And what I can tell you is, like, our miles haven't added up to anything, but you can drive from one tip of Moldova to the other in five hours. So it's a little country, but it might be little, but it's very big in need, all right? Yeah. You have roughly, we're going to say three, three and a half million people there now, and we'll share with you why. A um, couple years back, it was four million. So, um, but I'm going to let Josh share with you a little bit of the history, because as you can see, like I said, we're next door to the Soviet Union. That plays a whole lot into the history of Moldova and what the people are experiencing there now. Yeah. So if you were alive in 1991, raise your hand. <laughs> All right, that's probably most of you. So in 1991, what happened in 1991, if anybody recalls? Communism kind of fell apart, right? 
That's when perestroika and all that sort of kind of happened. So in August 31st, 1991, Moldova formed its own country. So whenever we said, where's Moldova, we didn't know that simply because when I graduated and got smart in 89, it didn't even exist. So this is the country that we go to, but it was birthed out of communism. Anybody here familiar with communism? All right. We understand the mindset of communism. We understand of, of how shall I say, the oppression of communism. Yes. We understand yes. all those things of communism. And when you birth a country out of that, something tends to typically happen. There's a lot of hope, right, that starts to build up. But the interesting that has happened is that when Russia controlled that area, or Russia controlled that land, they had a lot of resources, they had a lot of farming, they have a lot of equipment. So when that all went down, they formed their own country, Russia said, thank you very much. We pulled back our resources, we pulled back our equipment. So now the equivalent, if you go to the next slide, please, most of the people are doing subsistence type living out in the rural village. Mm -hmm. So because of this, I'll give you an up-to-date on the newsletter. Now this is about, um, about four or five weeks ago. They just increased the minimum wage to 97 cents an hour. You know, so just to put that into perspective. Now also to understand that because of this situation, there's roughly around 70% unemployment. So what's happening in Moldova and part of the population de decreases, people are actually leaving the country to look for jobs somewhere else. What happens is, is that leaves a lot of left behind peoples. So can you go to the next slide, please? Um, just to give you an idea of what poverty looks like in the villages there. So I was talking to Eliana, Eliana, I think. I she might had great be questions. She had great questions earlier. And we were talking about the um, poverty in Moldova and the rural villages there. So they're still using outhouses in the villages. They're still using water wells in the villages. Um, Jeff had to try to pull water up out of the well when we were there last summer. It does exist. Um, but anyway, this is how they're living. They have their little houses, their little yards, and they're growing what it is that they're trying to support their families with. All right, so just to give you a mindset. So the people that are left behind in Moldova, next slide, please. Who is left? Grandpas are left, grandmas are left. Grandsons, boys and girls, youth, young people. Um, so how I know the kiddos are out of here, and I'm not sure if the youth how many young people do we have in here? University age, are you guys all? We got one. All right. There's a so right let there. me put it to you like this. If you have sons, daughters, if you have nieces, nephews, grandsons, you name it, the younger generations and the older generations are the people that are the left behind in Moldova. Now there's still some of the adults there that are obviously our ages. But many have left the country in search of work. And these guys, can you go to the next slide, please? These are the left behind in Moldova. And we know that God wants none to perish, right? I can't hear you. Come on, Hope. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't want anybody to perish, but these, they are there. And in Moldova, there's a Russian Orthodox background. 
And what that means is what, what they know is more head knowledge, but they don't know the Lord in here. Mm-hmm. Okay? I can remember being there at one time in my life, all right? And if it says on their government papers, they're Russian Orthodox. Mm. We've met Moldovans here in the United States that say it might say that, April, but guess what? They're not even going to the Russian Orthodox Church. They're not going. The villages, they don't have churches, most of them. And in the city, there's a couple um, faith-filled Gospel-filled, full gospel, spirit-filled, there we go, churches in the cities, but that's it, and they're lost, and they're hopeless, but we know God wants to change all that. So what does that mean for us, Jeff? What does that mean for us? So it means that we leave in two months. We leave in October. It means that we are coming to the end of this particular journey, but we're about to embark on a new journey. So many people ask us, what language do they speak in Moldova? Well, they speak Romanian, but they also speak Russian. Um, The reason for that is most business transactions still happen in the Russian language. So officially we'll be learning Romanian, but we'll probably have to learn a little bit of Russian as well. Um, The other thing that... probably is good to know is that we'll be there for a Mm two-year assignment for this time for this time that we go around so we'll be there for a full two years now I guess one of the questions that most people ask us is okay I got the I got got the understanding the people have need there's a great need what are we going to do so what are we going to do we're officially part of the church planting movement in Moldova so what does that look like for us because when you say church planting all right, a lot of times, or at least we did, there was a time. You say church planting, do you think of a building? You think of a building, don't you? But let me tell you, church planting is so much more than that. It's so much more than that, and it starts way before there's a building anywhere. Mm-hmm. So as we go, a part of the church planting movement, officially our task is to plant the church where it is not in Moldova. So across the countryside in the rural villages, and even in some of the cities, is what our task is. But how do we do that? We don't go and build a building right away. Because who's going to fill the building? I mean, God will bring people, all right? But there's work to be done before that. So what's church planning? It's relationship. You all are out there and you're sitting next to each other. And I saw you guys have small groups that go on. So you meet together like that. All right. Building relationships. That's how we start with church planning. So as we do life and we live in Moldova. And we love on our neighbor. And we... Reach out to those in need. Maybe it's in the villages with VBS outreaches. I'm super excited about that. Can I tell you? (laughs) I'm so excited about that. To take VBS there. Maybe it's to go to a village and there's an elderly gentleman that his roof has issues. And somebody, they don't believe in helping each other. Okay, let me tell you something. There is a very cold wall there. It is not love on your neighbor and help your neighbor. So we go and we bring this hope and this love that Jesus gives to us, and we just pour that out upon them. 
by doing life, by building relationships. That's how God starts planning his church. He did it in Acts 2. It was relationships. Mm -hmm. Amen? That's how we start. Yeah, that's how we start. But we need help to get there. We're, we are coming close to reaching our budget. Um, um, stop by our table and we'll tell you all about that. But we'll also tell you about the cup of coffee story. We sell coffee out there and that's part of our story of how we actually got called to missions and, and those types of things like that. But we want to invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Now we wouldn't be here if we didn't start out with prayer. That's why I started out with what I started out with. God birthed something in our hearts, and we cried out for mercy to him. So through fasting and prayer, we, we, had, a, we had a prayer answered. But we're hoping that you pray for the people of Moldova. We're hoping that you join us in praying for us and, and the safe travels and visas and all that. We're hoping that you pray and be a part of what we're doing in Moldova. Now, if the Lord is really touching your heart and to support us on a monthly budget, we need that to help as well. But I'll also put this invitation out there. If the Lord is speaking to you and say, hey, maybe I need to be connected some way, shape, more than that. Come on We can over. help you get that as well. <laughs> we want to invite you any way, shape, or form. If we can get you to connected, then let us help you do that. But we invite you to stop by our table, look at what we have. We got some pamphlets. We got um, some special bags that we could talk about later. But we invite you to be a part of what we're doing. Stop by our table. Please come hear what we have to say about the country of Moldova, and thank you so much for allowing us to be here. There we go. <laughs> so are you guys on fire this morning? Because I sure felt like you were all on fire during worship. I don't know if you were, but I felt like I was, all right? So are you all on fire for the Lord this morning? Yeah. All right. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. It's to allow the Lord to use that fire for his honor and his glory and his plans. You know, sometimes we can get sidetracked by our plans. Because um, Jeff and I would tell you, come out and hear the coffee story is all I can say. Because Moldova was not part of our plans, y'all. <laughs> not at all. But God had different plans and his plans are so much better. So we had the privilege to spend the night at Lost Valley. Um, Jeff and I will tell you, we love being up north. We used to have a place in Grayling, which is also part of our story. <laughs> um, we love the outdoors. We like camping and fishing. And yes, we both hunt and we both fish. Honest, I'm not fibbing, okay? And we love it and we're going to miss it. So when we come back, <laughs> anyway. We love being outdoors, and so as we were at Lost Valley this morning, you know, it was kind of wet, and we didn't come very well prepared to spend time outdoors because we were on the road, and but I couldn't help but open up the blinds to the room and look out, and look out over the pond, and just the beauty, the beauty. I mean, we, you guys, you're all in northern Michigan. Not that Bad Axe isn't beautiful. But there is so much beauty all around you in the land that God has blessed you to be in, is there not? It's beautiful. And there's so much that the Lord 
tries to teach us through that beauty, through what he's created around us, our surroundings, whether it's in the field, in nature, whether it's in the city, you know, when we're in Moldova, there's lessons that if we will just pause, hit that button, if we will just pause and take in our surroundings and allow his word as we meditate on those surroundings to simmer in our hearts. There's so many lessons that if we will just pause and soak in what he has placed around us, he wants to teach us. So this morning I want to invite you, Hope family, to pause. Hit the pause button, okay? We're all busy. We all have to-do lists and all this. I'm not tech savvy, so mine are still on paper, okay? Hit the pause button with me this morning, please. And soak in the surroundings that God has around you as you go about your daily lives and allow him with me together today because I'm just a vessel. I'm just a vessel, just like you. But allow him to share with all of us some sewing lessons this morning, okay? And I'm not talking about a needle and thread. So some of you are smiling and laughing. No, that's not where I'm going. He has some sewing lessons that he wants to teach us from the world that you and I live in today, from our beautiful surroundings. And I'd like to share those with you today. If you'll join me and pause and allow him to use what's around us to teach us. Can you do that with me this morning? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to pause. We thank you for the opportunity to learn from this world that you have so richly blessed us with. And the word that you give to us that brings life and meaning and understanding. Lord, I just ask for you to have your way this morning. That these words, Father God, your word that, that you've written on my heart, Father God, that it be you that speaks and that you have your way in each and every individual. You know what you want to do, so we give it all to you. We ask for your hand to be upon it and that it be for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So we're going to pause and look at some sewing lessons. So in preparation for these sewing lessons, will you turn with me if you have a Bible to Mark chapter 4? We're going to spend some time there this morning. And those of you who have it online on your smartphones, if you can pull up Mark chapter 4. We're actually going to start at the beginning of Mark chapter 4. And I'm starting to play trombone here a little bit, so bear with me. 
I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So if your translation is a little bit different, know that that's why. But we find Jesus here teaching the multitudes. And if you start in verse 1, it is written, Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. There was such a large crowd along the shore that he got into a boat and sat down and spoke from there. He began to teach the people by telling many stories such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and they ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The plant sprang up quickly, but it soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades so that it produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus tells us a story. And they start to, you know, kind of back away a little bit, the disciples and Jesus, and they look at Jesus and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Seriously. My girls still say that to me someday. What are you talking about? You're not making any sense to me. And Jesus is so good, isn't he? Because if we ask him for the understanding to reveal it to us, does he answer? Amen. <laughs> he answers. So if you jump down with me to verse 14, he tells them what he's talking about. He says, the farmer I talked about is the one who brings God's message to others. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message. But then Satan comes at once, the birds, and takes it away from them. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first, they get along fine, but they will as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the, they believe the world. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of this life, the lure of wealth and the, the desire for nice things so no crop is produced. But... But the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So when I said that we are going to take a look at some sewing lessons today, our sewing lessons are in that world outside that door that we see every day. Our sewing lessons are right here. And the Lord felt that this parable was so important that it's not just here in Mark. If you go in the other Gospels, you will find it numerous times. 
because the lessons he was teaching here were important. So what are those sewing lessons? And you're like, all right, let's go. Lesson number one. Y'all with me? Sewing lesson number one is this. The sower does not control or determine the soil that's right in front of him to sow in. He doesn't control or determine what soil it is. He doesn't, con he doesn't control or determine the condition. When a farmer goes out to plant that field, and we're gonna, you're going to be, a, I can already hear it because it's in the back of my mind because I'd be doing it. No, 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 wait, okay. there's things we do. Uh-uh. We'll get to that. That, in, that initial condition, when I get my pots out, okay, the plant, I don't control the soil, the condition of the soil, all right? The sower does not control the condition of the soil that he's given to sow into. But he obediently sows, doesn't he? Did he sow seed? He sowed it everywhere. He didn't say, oh no, I don't like that soil, so I'm not sowing there. It says he sowed. There was what kind of ground? We have four kinds of soils, right? There is hard ground. There's rocky and shallow ground. There's ground choked out by weeds. And then, bless you, and then there's fertile ground. I don't know about you all, but I have been through rocky ground in my garden, <laughs> and I have been picking thistles and dandelions out all summer. And it's not fun. See, he goes on, Jesus goes on and tells us that seed, that seed is what? Hope, family, what is it? It's God's word. The sower is sowing God's word. And those different types of soil, what is it? Conditions of the heart. Where is that soil? It's here. But does that sower control this in other people? No. No, he doesn't. That hard ground, Jesus says, is people that, you know, the seed is thrown out there, but it like bounces. Have you ever had ground that's like that? It's so hard and you just, <laughs> you know, stuff bounces off of it. I'm just saying. All right? That's kind of what he's talking about. The shallow and the rocky ground. God's word just can't get in deep enough. What he's saying is, What he's saying is when that scorching sun of life's trials, have you been there, friends? Have you experienced that scorching sun? And that scorching sun comes in of life's trials. And that heart, that seed that was planted in that heart is so challenged and it withers and it dies. And they turn from the Lord. And then there's the weeds. <laughs> where God's word grows and that person is so full of faith 
and they're following and they're pursuing the Lord, but then the temptations and the things of the world come in and it's those thorns and those thistles and all of that junk that you don't want in your garden. And it chokes out God's seed that is growing in that person. And then, of course, we have the fertile ground. You know, who doesn't like fertile ground? Amen? <laughs> I, like, I like when you buy the potting soil with the miracle grow right in it. And then you know that it should be fertile. We all like fertile ground, and yeah, God's word grows in that. But these are all different individuals. It's the soil of their heart, and you are the sower. You are. But the sower does not control the soil that he's planting in. He doesn't control the condition. You know who controls that, friends? God. And we can't go to God as he gives us the seed in our hands to sow and say, oh no, that ground's rocky, I'm not planting there. That has too many weeds, I don't want the work, I'm not planting there. I can't do it, it's too hard, Lord. Because we can get that way in our flesh. It's our job. Just as that sower obediently sowed the seed that he was given, it's our job to sow. God controls the condition of the soil in their hearts. We have to be obedient and sow. Amen? Sowing lesson number one. You ready for sowing lesson number two? Sowing lesson number two. All right, so I said the sower doesn't control the condition of that soil in that, in that individual's heart. The sower in the field doesn't control the condition of the soil, but you know what? He sure can do a whole lot to influence that soil, can't he? Come on. He doesn't control it, but can he influence it? How many of you garden out there? Flowers, vegetables. Come on, do I have any farmers? Because thank you, Jesus, for farmers, all right? I'm just saying. That sower can influence the condition of the soil. He doesn't control it. God controls it, but he can do whatever he can to influence it. What, 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 do we, what do you mean? Well, okay, if we have hard soil in our gardens, what do we do? Amen. We till it. We plow it up. If we have rocks in our soil when we go to plant our gardens, what do we do? We pick the rocks out. Ask my husband about working as a, as a young man, okay? He'll have farm stories for you. We pick the rocks out. I was telling you about my garden with the thistles. What do we do with the weeds? We pull them. So the sower doesn't control the conditions of the soil, but he can influence it. Amen? Amen. How do we spiritually till up the soil, friends? Because I can tell you that as we go and share and people say, hear, hear the word, pray. You 
guys did it up here today. You are tilling up soil every time you pray. You are influencing the soil in someone's heart. You are influencing the soil that might be a world away. When you're praying, you're tilling up the ground. That's how we deal with it. You know how we pick rocks spiritually? Number one, we pray. Number two, we live out our faith in front of other individuals. Do you know that God uses that to influence their hearts as well? As you walk this walk of faith in front of people, he uses your testimony. And he works in their hearts. He picks out the rocks. He tills up that hard ground. Because remember, the sower doesn't control it, but he can influence it. Who controls it? God. Even Rahab's heart was tilled up and prepared because she heard the testimonies of what God had been doing. And she's in Jesus' bloodline. But we don't only prepare the ground. That's not the only way we influence the condition of the soil. How many of you water? Well, all right, we've had no rain, so it's been hard, okay? How many of you water your garden? How many of you feed? Maybe you put some fertilizer in it in the beginning, you know? I cheat and I buy soil with miracle Grow. <laughs> but we don't just plow up. That takes care of hard ground, rocky ground, but let's talk about those weeds. Amen. When you sow seed, you don't just sow it and then not take care of it, do you? You influence the soil that that seed is planted in by caring for it. Are you following me? We're called to be sowers. And you know, there's ground that we're going to sow in that is not, quote, unquote, maybe fertile, all right, per se. But we influence that soil when we pray, when we get together with someone for coffee, when we just love on them and listen to them, when we get together and we dig into God's word. We are pouring water on them. So when that hot sun tries to dry them out and fry them, when those weeds try to come in and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choke this out, as we water and feed them, because as we sow, we need to take care of what we sow. And then, guess what? That scorching sun isn't quite so scorching. And those weeds? Well, I have help pulling out those weeds. Because you know what? I have my sisters in the Bible study, and they've got my back. And they're praying for me, or they're loving on me. I need help with something, and they'll come and help, or it's a phone call. 
It's relational discipleship, you all. When Jesus gave the Great Commission and he said, go make disciples in Matthew 28, he said to baptize them, but he said also teach them my ways. And it wasn't, it wasn't just in teaching like we're thinking of teaching. It was teaching as in doing life together. Sowing into one another with the word every day. You can influence what you sow. That soil, you don't control it, but you sure can influence it. You can influence it. God hit that point, drove that point home to me at the beginning of our growing season this year. We have a short growing season, don't we? I looked out at our patio and we're trying to sell our house and I have a garden in there and I looked out and it was a train wreck. (laughs) And God said, you know what, April? I give you seed to sow, but you gotta take care of that seed. You gotta feed it, you gotta water it, you gotta pull the weeds. You can't just plant it. I will grow it, but there's work to be done. I'm gonna wrap up quickly here with sewing lesson number three. And that's this. The sower doesn't control the harvest. The sower doesn't control the harvest. Ultimately, it's God. It's the Father who determines the harvest. He determines the harvest. You know, we can go on, if we would go on in Mark, in chapter 4, and we would read, and I'm just going to paraphrase it for time, we would read verses 26 through 29, and we would find Jesus telling us again about a farmer And he said he went out and he planted the seed and then he went about his day. But there was a harvest and when the harvest was ready, he came and they harvested. But the point is this, is that that farmer, that sower, he could have, he could have sat there. How many have ever heard a watch pot never boils? All right, I'm not that old. Okay, all right. (laughs) My kids look at me like, what? The farmer could have sat there looking at that seed, thinking if I think long enough, if I think long enough, if I stare long enough at it, it's going to grow, it's going to grow, it's going to grow, and nothing would have happened, okay? Or he would have gotten discouraged. He planted it, and then he went on about the master's business, because he knew that the master was faithful and that he would grow the seed and that there would be a harvest. You know, I think sometimes we plant the seed and the ground might be rocky or hard or there might be weeds. And we as the sowers, we can get discouraged, can't we? Have there been people that you've sown into and, and God's seed has not grown the way you wanted it to grow, the way you thought it would grow, and you get discouraged. But friends, we 
are not in control of the harvest. He is. Is he faithful? Amen. Does he promise? Does he promise that there is going to be a harvest? What happened in that fertile soil? 30, 60, or even 100 times as much. God's got it, but he needs you to sow. I want to ask you to do something with me this morning, Hope family. And I'm calling you family because I'm considering you my family because we are all one in Christ. Amen? Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you. You will see corn out on our table. It's just a visual, as you can tell. I can talk with my hands, and I'm a visual person. Corn, seed. Each and every one of you has it in the palm of your hand. Will you hold out your palm? God has given you, Hope family, seed. He's giving you seed to plant, to sow. And he wants you to know that he is faithful. Go plant the seed. Go plant the seed because it is there and you have it, each and every one of you. Plant the seed he has put in your hand. Don't get discouraged. He says, I know the soil may be hard. I know there may be rocks. But I will give you all that you need to prepare that soil and plant that seed and there is a harvest. And it is a greater harvest than anything you have ever seen before in your life. Anything. So the Father is asking you, please do not give up. Plant the seed. Everywhere that your foot sets, everywhere. It can be, it can be in Walmart. It can be at your neighbor's house. He's saying, please plant that seed. Don't hold on to it. And when you plant that seed that's there in your, in your hand, he's saying, please don't stop at planting it. Be an influencer. I want you to water and to feed that seed. It doesn't have to be complicated. Water it and feed it. Love it and nurture it because I don't want the sun to dry it up. I don't want the weeds to come in and choke it because I have the harvest. And you are part of planting and bringing in that harvest. You're part of that. 
you are part of that. He's saying, I am faithful. I am faithful. I am faithful. I am faithful. I'm going to ask, if you will, if you will join us all up here at the altars, and we are going to pray together. Because we are in this together. I invite you to come forward. Seriously, as a group, come forward. I know we've done it at our church many, many. Just come forward. I invite you. Link hands with somebody there next to you. Because we are sowers in the greatest harvest that there has ever been. And God's not finished yet. Amen? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the whole family. I thank you for the seed that you put in their hands. I thank you, Lord, for their obedience and walking in the steps that you have for them. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that you that you will take that seed in their hand, guide their steps, and help them to plant it everywhere that their foot stops. Help them to water it, to nurture it, to influence the soil, Father God, that that seed is being planted in. And Lord, I ask you to bring the harvest. We are trusting you and believing you for the harvest that you are doing. And I just ask for your hand to be upon all of them. My brothers and sisters here, Father God, that you will continue to use them in a mighty way. That the seed will grow. That it will be strong. That you will give them the energy and the wisdom that there will be many souls harvested for the kingdom not perishing for your will to be done we thank you Lord together corporately we thank you (laughs) thank you for the seed Lord (laughs) thank you for the water thank you for the harvest we give it all to you In Jesus' name. And everyone said, You got the seed? Do you got the seed? (laughs) It's right here. Esther. I'll go this way. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Well, if you would go ahead and uh, take a seat just for a minute. We're, we're wrapping up. I just had one thing I wanted to share with you real quick. And usually we warn you ahead of time, and, and I think it got forgotten, but we would like to do another offering today. And there is no pressure, all right? If, if you're like, oh, another offering, then don't even give because God loves a cheerful giver. 
if that's you. So here's the thing. Many years ago, we were sitting at a, a conference, and it just concluded, and uh, the leader of the uh, conference, the guy that promoted it, he got up and he said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want all the missionaries to stand up, and they stood up, and April and Jeff stood. And then he said, now, I, I want you guys to give them a Pentecostal handshake, those of you who are still sitting. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, all right, I had my, my secret $100 bill in my wallet. How many? Don't tell me. Anyway, I happen to have it in there. It's not always there, but it was at that moment. And I thought, all right, I've got that $100. Lord, if that's what you want us to do. And I, I pulled it out. And my wife looked at me and she goes, I think we should give to that couple behind us. Well, we didn't know who they were. We'd never met them before, to my knowledge. And I didn't even know they were missionaries till they stood up. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I went over and I gave Brother Jeff the handshake and we left. Didn't say anything to him, we just walked out. And, and I don't think they knew this, but I had signed up for this uh, contest with Steel Saw Company. And it was about three weeks before this. And it was for a chainsaw. I wanted a chainsaw. I needed a chainsaw. How much is a chainsaw? 300 bucks, 350 bucks. Well, I didn't know that the grand prize was a John Deere XUV Gator 4x4. And I get this call. Norm Oberlin? Yes. I thought it was a prank call. Did you enter this contest with steel? I said, yeah. He says, do you live at, and he lists all my stuff, and I'm like, well, it's got to be legitimate, because how did he know all that? And I finally said, yeah. He goes, well, you won. He, he goes, do you know what you won? I said, a chainsaw? I was excited. And he goes, no, much better than that. You won a John Deere XUV 4x4 Gator. And I'm like, What? I'm still thinking it's a prank. He goes, no, sir, you won. And I need to have you fill all this paperwork out. 1099, the government wants their share. By the way, if you win something, you're going to pay 30% on its value. <laughs> this thing was retailed at $11,600. I listed it for ten. 30, 60, 100 times, 100 times. I sold that gator for $9,200 cash. And I paid the taxes on it. But what I'm telling you is, when that happened, I remembered it as clear as day. I thought, these guys are good ground. And I don't think I've ever said that to you. They're good ground. How many believe that when you plant something, God's going to give you a return on it? So if I could have the ushers come forward, if you would like to make a check out to Mount Hope Church, they're good ground. Are you going to win a gator? I'm not telling you that. Is God going to bless you, though? I believe he wants the people in Moldova to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And whatever you can do today, 
whether it's $5 or $50 or $500, whatever you can do today, God's going to use it to reach the people of Moldova with his good news. And we, the hope, are going to go along with them. So would you get ready to receive this offering? Lord, we thank you again for everything you're doing here. Bless those that are able to give today. This is good ground, Lord. And we pray that you would just multiply it back to them. Again, 30, 60, even 100 times over. We love you, and we thank you for those that are able to give today. We thank you for Jeff and April. God, bless them. Carry them through this process. And Lord, give them heaven-sent ideas when they get there. Help them to learn the language. Help them to get in there and influence people. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Well, Brother Shane's phone's going off, so that means we're done. <laughs> Love you, man. <laughs> By the way, what is that? Is that a 10 again? All right, it's a good one. <laughs> he, he, yeah, a waterproof case. If you didn't know it, he went out fishing with Troy, and he accidentally dropped his in the lake. Ugh. And they couldn't see it. And we thought about it after. They should have called it. And maybe they would have seen it in the muck. I'm not sure, but anyhow. Yeah, yeah. So make sure if you go with Troy fishing that you hang on to your phone. He's like, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> well, I'm excited about everything happening here. This is going to conclude our service. Lord, we thank you for everybody that's uh, a part of this church. We pray that you would bless them, keep them safe, and they're coming and going. And Lord, this summer, God, just help us to be planters, not to forget that our neighbor, that hard-hearted neighbor needs it. Lord, that, that cashier at Walmart, frustrated as she is, she needs our love. She needs that, that planting, God. Help us to see the need and not to hold back, but just to keep on throwing it out so that you can use it to grow what only you can grow. Lord, we love you and we commit this offering, we commit this people into your hands. We commit this couple going to Moldova into your hands and their very success in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Rachel. Love having you back there. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. We'll look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.